0: they put you through the mill into injury time almost lost the cup and you win it the new european champions the treble the dream come true for you i
1: can't believe it i can't believe it football by the hell hello everyone welcome to the 11th episode of the podcast football bloody hell today with us we have isaiah isaiah how are you doing good how are you i'm doing great isaiah so isaiah can you tell a little bit about yourself to our listeners
2: Uh, i'm from nacogdoches and i'm a writer for uh, the united devils
1: great and uh, joe how, how are you joe
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I think obviously our listeners probably know a little bit about me, but (laughs) yes, yes. (laughs) You too. uh, Obviously, I write for the United Devils. uh, Been doing a little bit more over uh, Christmas and uh, obviously a regular on this podcast. So, yeah, great.
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, well, to the listeners, a very happy new year, guys. This is our first episode of 2019.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Happy new year, everyone
1: uh so what should i say i'm i'm grinning year to year now so happy uh, good old days are back <laughs> yeah
0: well i mean from what i gather when it first broke you, you were quite disappointed with the news i think obviously you was a bit of a Mourinho fan is that right prashant
1: oh. yeah you can say that yes
0: yeah
1: yeah i wanted I mean, to succeed you know like i felt i believed in him in a way yeah like how
0: how how do you feel? Like obviously now the changes happened and we're sort of. I know we're not the the hardest fact games, but obviously it's such a good feel good factor around the club. How do you feel about how it's going at the moment?
1: Well, uh, to be honest, Joe, on that day it I, it was pretty awful. Like I felt really heartbroken. You know, like something struck me. I believed in that guy when I when he came to United. It was the right match, and then it, when he fired, I never thought that he would like Edward Wood would fire him, but you know. But now it's it better, you know, because United I have won five in five, and then you know what what should I say? You are my soul shy, <laughs> great when the skies are gray, you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> I't fear with terror and all that
1: yeah <laughs> uh so yeah, you know what with this topic, we should start with the twenty eighteen review, you know, like how was the year for us? I'll come to Isaiah first, Isaiah, what do you think about twenty eighteen as a whole?
2: 2018 was a mess for me. Uh, we lost the FA Cup final and we were eliminated in the uh, round of 16 of the Champions League to Sevilla. And we basically made no signings in the uh, summer of 2018. Uh, a player in Fred, he didn't, he didn't even want uh, apparently. And then uh, what, a what, 35, 36 year old goalkeeper, and then a prospect in uh, Dallow. So, but the positive is where we finished second, but again, 19 points off.
1: Yeah. True. And what about you, Joe? What do you think about 2018?
2: Yeah,
0: 2018, it, it was just—it was a frustrating year, wasn't it? To go with maybe 2017 and 17 a little bit. I mean, we, we'd obviously, the season before, we'd not done bad in terms of trophies, hadn't we? You know, we'd, we'd won a couple of trophies. But I think, yeah, I think the, the failure in Europe is, like the, Asayip, um mentioned, you know, the game against Severe. I think that's probably the low point for me. I mean... Mourinho, you know, during that after that game in his press conference made some comments as well that didn't sit very well with United fans saying, you know, that maybe, you know, we're not such a big force in Europe as as we used to be and I and, and I think from that point on I think you obviously lost a lot of lost a lot of United fans and then and it was just not a great Round to go out in, and it certainly wasn't a great opponent. We should be beating teams like Sevilla, even though they have got a decent European record. So yeah, I was, that's probably the one that sticks out the most in my mind.
1: Yeah, I think that's a true one. You know, the Sevilla one was really hurtful—the Sevilla defeat and the FA Cup final, as Isaya you said earlier. Okay, but you know what? Fuck it. We'll look at some of the big, big <laughs>
0: moments of 2018. What do you say? Big moments of 2018.
1: Joe, I'll go to you first.
0: You know, it's like. You know, it's a bit like trying to find a needle in a haystack but i think you're looking at more like you know moments individual moments and maybe even games because obviously we didn't we didn't have any silverware did we in 2018 yeah so, definitely I,
1: I the games me, the big you're ones
0: look, you're, look, you're looking at the game at the etihad probably aren't you and we're two nil down
1: oh, oh that was magical that was <laughs>
0: yeah you know you're probably looking at that's probably you know that and it's this Is the thing about United normally when you're reflecting on a year or a season, you, you, you're reflecting on a success in a competition, aren't you? But like, we, we're literally struggling to pick out individual games where you know where we've had some highlights, that's all we can really call upon, really. So, I think maybe that. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else, I mean, there was a comeback wasn't there towards the end of 2018 against Newcastle, which was pretty good, but again, it's just a it's just to come back against Newcastle. I mean, we should never be in the situation where we were 2 0 down anyway.
2: What about you, Isaiah? Any top memories from 2018 for you? I got to agree with Joe on this one. It's, I mean, it's hard to find anything that was so positive in 2018 other than the heady, um, the Men's City game where we came back from 2 0 down so they wouldn't clinch the league title against us. Um, other than, I guess, making it to the FA Cup final. That, I mean, that was a positive, and then finishing second in the league. But yeah, I mean, and obviously think,
0: thinking about what is saying there. Obviously, on that cup run, we played Tottenham Hotspur, didn't we, in the semi final? Yeah, and
2: we went, were 1-0 uh, no down.
0: Yeah, we went to their brown back garden, and obviously, you know, we beat them two once. I mean, that was a pretty good performance, although it was a li- it was tinged with a little bit of Tottenham bottling it again as <laughs> usual, but. um yeah, so I think, um, yeah, I think for me, obviously, a City away and then, but like you say, the FA Cup run was good. But that was sort of, had had a dark shadow over it too, because the FA Cup final was a no-show for United, really. They just didn't turn up in the final. I was at Wembley for the final.
1: Oh, you were? Uh,
0: yeah, so, and they they were awful in the final, so. For me, I- 2018,
1: you know, Joe. Yes, we didn't win anything, but then if you look back at it, there were some really memorable moments, you know, that we go down the United folklore. Like the win in Turin, it was unreal that we being in such a shitty moment and then we went away and bet you went in your own backyard. Uh, so, we'll move on from 2018 and should we look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's reign so far?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, uh,
1: Joe, what do you think of Ole's reign so far? Five wins in five... Equalling Sir Matt Busby's record, what do you feel about it?
0: Yeah, well, I, I think from a uh, Manchester United point of view, it's not so much the five wins in five. I mean, that's fantastic, obviously, and that's just what we need, especially with the points we've got this season, the position at the table, but honestly, it's just the feel around the club is just so much better now. It's much better, you know, there's a lot more happiness amongst the players. And the manager, he's not done anything radical. He's still using the same players that Jose used. He's essentially using the same formation. But he's just managing, he's almost like taking the handbrake off the team a little bit and just allowed them to go forward. And the biggest change for me is maybe Pogba now, when you look at him, he's actually playing 20 or 30 yards further. True. Uh,
2: That's the biggest thing for me.
1: And uh, Isaiah, what about you? How do you feel about Ole's reign so far?
2: Um. Uh, right now, I'm just enjoying it because uh, we're playing the way Manchester United should. And uh, I know a lot of people are saying it's just bottom, um, bottom half teams or mid-table teams. But I mean, you can only beat what's in front of you. So, so right now, I'm enjoying it. And our test will be against uh, Spurs, obviously. And I, I, but I'm feeling good and in going into it.
1: Yeah, it feels good, right? Like even if it's the teams we should beat, I think it. I think it's the manner of the wins. That how we are performing is more important than the winning. We, like we would have won against all these teams even under Mourinho. But you know, I guess the the how is the team performing? And as Joe said about Pogba, he's a man unleashed, isn't he?
2: Yeah, and a lot of players. are, uh, they look a lot happier now.
1: Yeah, and even even Rashford. I don't know what has happened to him. What do you think, Joe? You have seen him live these past weeks. How is he so lively again?
0: I think. I think the difference with Rashford is, is as a number nine under Ollie, he's been asked to play a different type of role to a number nine under Jose Mourinho. So I think if you look at what Jose Mourinho like expects from his number nines, it's all about getting the ball, you know, shielding the ball, being very much involved in the build up and, you know, coming short for the ball and protecting it and being strong and that's not really Rashford's forte whereas I think the number nine under Solskjaer he's told him whenever the midfield are in possession of the ball or even the defence he wants him to make runs the other way towards the opposition goal you know on the shoulders of the last defender you know making dangerous runs so that it can be found in situations where he can start scoring goals and creating goals and I think that's the big difference I think under Mourinho when he played Rashford as a number nine he wanted him to come short with his back to goal where. For him to go the other way with you know towards the goal and getting in situations where he can score goals,
1: that's a very valid point, I guess. What do you think, too? Uh, sorry, what do you think, Isaya? What's the difference between Pogba of Marinho and Pogba of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Uh, Pogba, yeah.
2: Um, I mean, obviously, he's playing more of an attacking role with under Socha than he did with Mourinho. and I mean, at least. I mean, for me, it's simple. He just has more freedom and more uh, options to work with. And he he doesn't feel like – well, I feel like he doesn't feel like he's under pressure and he's more relieved than, than anything for me. He's just out there enjoying himself just like the rest of the, uh, the lads. But, Prashant,
0: I'll put this to you. Like, I'll ask you a question because – Obviously, in the media, we're hearing a lot. I mean, the players are trying to be respectful towards Mourinho because I mean, a, a lot of media are trying to challenge them on what's changed and things like that. But <laughs> I would, I would have money for every time players have come out and the, even the manager himself, Holly, and said, "We're just trying to enjoy football again." You know what I mean? And, and I suppose that's there's not a lot being said since Mourinho. Left, but I suppose that's the biggest takeaway, isn't it? I think we can assume that players are just enjoying themselves more now. Yeah, that's a
1: good point. Actually, I think there was in the end, uh, even there was some kind of not some kind of there was a lot of negativity, I guess, around the dressing room, around the whole club. We you know where the situation was, and the playing his relationship with the manager being reflected on the whole squad. Like every player knew that. I guess. They they are happy now because they have a clean slate. Like everyone
0: had a chance to prove themselves. It's all being great with Solskjaer, but it, it is sort of a little bit bittersweet because it does make you wonder where these players have been for the last sort of twelve months, eighteen months. It's... Isai, what do you think? Did our players uh,
1: not play purposely? Not play good purposely for Mourinho? Did they down the tools for him and help him get the sack?
2: Like what they were aiming for, uh, it made it's hard. It's hard to explain for me, but um, I I mean, that's what it looks like, but I'm hoping there's not really not 100% truth to it. Uh, I think they were only allowed to do so much under Mourinho uh, rather than um, what they're doing with uh, Soche, obviously. It's kind of hard for me to explain, like, how to...
1: Even other players like Pogba, I don't know if he has done this or not, but then players like Eden Hazard have done this, right? Like, they play good one year for Mourinho... Fuck it, fuck it up and then get in the sack, play a good year for Conte.
2: Yeah. Up the next year
1: getting the sack.
2: Yeah, so so there's obviously a, a rhythm going on here.
1: <clears throat> That's what I'm scared. I, I, I don't want uh, players at my club, you know, that they have so much power that they're getting the manager sacked.
2: Yeah. I think they should play. Regardless of who the manager is, whether it's Moyes, Fengel or um Asosha. I think they should play. For the fans, at least,
0: you know, you know, you're you're signed by the football club, and you run out onto that pitch with the badge on your shirt, sort of thing. You are representing Manchester United, and there has been, there's no doubt about it. Just because Mourinho has gone, like all the problems at the club are not solved. You know that there's still plenty of players at that football club, Brasham, that are not good enough to be Manchester United players. There's no getting away from that. And,
1: and, oh yes, definitely. definitely.
0: And you know, there's also even people above the manager in the boardroom. There's people in the boardroom that are not football people, and, and and are well out of their depth when it comes to making football decisions. So just because this is, you know, Mourinho got the sack, doesn't mean to say that all the blame has to be laid at his door. You know, it's just a lot easier to sack one man than to try and sack a squad of twenty-three players. So, um, you know, there's there's. The players have to look at themselves and United have to go big in the summer. You know, I don't think they'll go big this window, but I think they have to go big in the summer. We need to have m- many more, United, you know, many more players wearing the United shirt that are, wary, wear, that are worthy, sorry, of, of wearing the United shirt. Yeah,
1: but talking about Mourinho's sack, I would don't want to go back again, but then, guys, uh, what do you think? I think, what I think is, the board let him down because they gave him a new contract, but then didn't give him the money to sign the players he needed in the summer, and then he, that's why he was grumpy all over the time, and then that reflected onto his behavior with the team and on the pitch. What do you think about this?
0: Yeah, I mean, sorry, I mean, I'll just say quickly that you know the warning signs were there when they when they didn't back him in the summer, and we we had it all during the preseason tour in the US, didn't we? Where press conference after press conference, he was just bemoaning the fact that his squad wasn't good enough and we needed to buy more players. He was trying to put pressure on Ed Woodward, but he identified a a number of defensive targets uh, and they just went to the board and the board sort of dismissed them because they weren't sort of in the age range of or the fit the profile of type of player that they wanted at Manchester United. And as soon as the board starts doing that, then I think it's... uh, there's no way back for a manager really.
1: Yeah, that's sad but true. Isaiah, what do you think? Like Ed Woodward is at fault here for the whole mess up that you're at right now.
2: Uh I mean he signed well apparently Mourinho didn't want uh a Fred that the board wanted him. Um you know, something like that. But uh I think he should have made at least one Mourinho signing, uh defender. But I, I mean I can see why he he didn't want to. Because of the uh, Lindelof and uh, Eric Bailly, wasn't, mm-hmm. they weren't really making. Um, there were Mourinho signings, but they weren't really being used. And so, why give you more if you're not going to use your players? I mean, I can see that. I'm, um, from their point of view, but I can also see that why he wanted more and why it ended up ended up with the way it did.
1: Yeah, but uh, currently, if even after Mourinho's departure, we can see how defensively weak we are. Like. Even teams like Reading or, I don't know, Bournemouth and all were able to uh, carve us open. right that well,
2: uh I, I, I don't know. I don't really see us making any signings this January. I'm hoping we do, at least one defensive player. But I think the big ones will happen uh, in the summer.
1: I hope so. Uh, yeah.
2: But could, uh, yeah, I'm, jokes. They have to be careful
0: signing in this window because if they're confident that they can land someone like Pochettino is expanding, if that's the person that it's going to be, I mean, this is the one that we're hearing. So if it is going to be Pochettino and they're confident they can land him, they don't want to be buying players that are not going to fit into his thinking. So, I mean, they could almost do with signing. You remember back in 2002, 2003, they signed Laurent Blanc, didn't they, who came in and did a job for a couple of seasons. I mean, he was a little bit older, he was experienced, but he came in and, and sort of filled the space. We we signed Henry Larson in 2007 for just a few months to get us from January to the end of the season to give us some more options up up top. You know, I just think we could do with like almost being able to loan a defender for six months, if you know what I mean, just to get us through to the end of the season. And then, obviously, whoever's the manager next book, and then, go
1: out and splash the cash. Yes, That's possible. But then, uh, guys, what about Isaiah said that we the board argued that United had bought two defenders and Jose didn't use them properly. Well, I think City also, like, I don't know, even City, Pep Cordiola had bought some players, players like Nolito and Bravo and big-name signings who didn't work out, but City's board didn't say it to him that it didn't work out, so we will not give you... Jesus, with Jesus, or Ederson, or, you know walked
0: yeah. someone. No, that's a that's a good point, but in my opinion, I think this is, it goes back to it. Take forget the signings. I just think after probably about six months, twelve months, I think the board probably realised that they'd not got the man they thought they were getting or the man that they wanted, and and therefore, you know, the signings were just one one sign. Of a number of little signs of discontent from the board. I mean, apparently they used to have to question him after most of his press conferences about comments that he made. You know, you know the way you take, you know, offend. You know the way you take up battles with managers like Conte and and Wenger during his time at United. Again, they weren't looked upon very favourably at the club. So I think just the fact that they didn't give him the transfer, just one little thing in a, in a number of a lot of little things. That have all accumulated to suggest that you know it was just not the right manager in the end for
1: us. Yeah, well, what should we say now? Uh, I think we should move on. Uh, January transfer window is already up and running, guys. So I'll come to Isaya first.
2: Isaya, if you could sign any player this window, who would it be? Uh, it would definitely be a centre back. Uh, I'm looking at um. um Oh, man, that's tough. Realistically, in this yeah. January, I will go after Milinkovic. Yeah.
1: Okay. Why so?
2: Oh, uh, I mean, oh, if if I I I watched I watched a few of his games in Ferretina. <coughs> uh, I mean, he does really well, and uh, he's more he's more um composed than a lot of our well, probably most of our players, and his tackles and his, his strength and his and his height will definitely help for his set pieces and. For the crosses they make uh, against us, <clears throat> and I mean, we really just we're in desperate need of a center back right now. And uh, realistically, we can only probably sign Malikovic, and we'll in the summer we'll probably go after uh, a Manolas or a Sekin or, however you pronounce his name.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, him as well. He's the one, but I don't think I don't see him coming in um in January, honestly.
1: Yeah. And what about you, Joe? Anything, if you were the manager?
2: Yeah, well, just before I go just
0: to obviously add to Asaya and obviously the names you mentioned, I mean, Koulibaly, you know, that's an example of, he's going to cost around about £80 million. So, if they, are they going to want to allow Solskjaer to spend that on a defender that if he's not the manager next season and the new manager doesn't fancy valley, it's a lot of money. So as much as I would, you know, I hear a lot of good things about Kulibane, I can't say I've watched a lot of him, but I hear a lot of good things about him, and uh, um, he, he seems like a fantastic defender, so I mean, the would be ideal, but obviously, it's a lot of money to be spending, one in January, and two uh, alongside the manager, you're not sure you're going to have next year, so I don't know, I mean, I'm looking at the Diego Godin situation at Atletico Madrid. I mean, he's refusing to sign a new contract. He is a little bit old. He's 32 years old, but he's a he's a really experienced defender in Europe. And whether he'd suit the Premier League, and also he'd obviously probably be cup tied for our Champions League games, which would be which wouldn't be ideal. And then there's obviously the other option would maybe be someone like Toby Alderweireld, who. who Apparently has this clause in this contract that he's extended where he can leave for 25 million pound again. Would United
1: mm-hmm. would
0: United look at maybe doing a six month loan on something like him, and then with a view to making it permanent in the summer, depending on who the manager is, you know, it might be a deal like that. You know, it might be somebody that comes in as a centre back who they initially take on loan till the end of the season, but then there's some sort of clause in there where if everything goes all right and he's it works, and we can buy him in the summer if do not being
1: permanently. Yeah, but you know what? I think I don't think uh, board is going to give any money to Solshare honestly because they signed him for this reason only that uh, they wouldn't need to invest anything in the January transfer window, and then all they can invest is in the summer for the new manager. Or if Solshare remains, then if it remains, then they will invest for him in the summer.
0: Would Would you sign a player though, Prashant? Or oh.
1: Oh, for me, if I was, I, I don't know. I have heard, like you, I haven't watched Koulibaly a lot. Yeah. But I, of what I have watched him in the Champions League, he looked really solid. So, if he could be there, that he fits the size. The How do you say he fits the profile very much? Tall, uh, very strong, technically good on the ball.
2: Koulibaly, have you seen much of Koulibaly? Or? I, I've just seen him in the Champions League, really. Yeah. I did some YouTube scouting. <laughs> yeah, beware of the YouTube videos. Like
0: you know, everybody looks fantastic on YouTube videos, don't they? And yeah. Then, yeah. I,
2: I if you watch your rules,
0: Fred. When we have time Fred, and obviously I've not, I don't think I've seen him commander midfield like he did on YouTube since he came to United. So, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> I guess even Alvaro Morata looks good on YouTube videos. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, but the thing is, whom do you partner him with, right? Guys, I think Lindelof has cemented his place in the centre-back position. What do you feel?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely this season. I I, I don't think there's any, been anybody better than Lindelof this season. And I think his partner... I mean, I know on paper it's probably Eric Bailly and he's a fan favourite. But if I'm being um, honest, it's the best partnership for Lindelof right now. is probably Chris Smalley.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. I can't argue against that.
0: I think when you play Lindelof, it helps a lot if he has a a very physical centre-back alongside him, because you're not going to get that physicality from Lindelof, but what we have seen, what you can get from Lindelof, especially since, again, Solskjaer came in, is he's more than comfortable on the ball and coming out of defence on the ball. You see, again, just another example of a player that was maybe restricted under Jose, because we never really were allowed to see that, you know, under Jose, we wasn't allowed to see his capabilities of bringing the ball out of defence and his, his passing range. But, you know, we, we've obviously been, we've had a bit of an insight into that in the last couple of weeks and that's the defender that we signed from, Benfica. Well, you know, going back to watching YouTube videos, when you looked at YouTube videos from Lindelof, a lot of the videos weren't necessarily good defending. It was more about his range of distribution from the back end, you know, creating opportunities from from uh, long long diagonal balls. So, we just, players are just playing to their strengths more and that's why we're seeing players flourish people like players like Lindelof and, and Pampa, etc.
1: What about the season ahead? I'll come to Isaya first. Isaya, what do you think? What are your aspirations for this season? What, what
2: are the, expectations what... for this
1: season? Yes, is what the are your expectations face? for the 2018-19 season? What is left of it?
2: Uh, for what's left, um, I, I'm hoping for... Um, and... An, an, an an FA Cup win, a trophy cuz I don't want to go another civil uh, another season without silverware. Mm-hmm. Like and um the FA Cup, a good run in the Champions League and um the top 4. That's going to be tough. And, and um also to sign De Gea, Luke Shaw, Herrera and my contracts. At least those were players the new contracts.
1: Yeah, that would be great. Isn't it? Dehay Herrera, Mata, all these players new contracts.
0: If if, if if all those things happened, you know, in the space of the next, well, say the next four, five, six months, then I would be delighted, you know what I mean? I mean, the, the contract is a good point by a sire. I think it's really important that we get, not all the players that need to sign, I don't think we need yeah. to sign everyone, but I think like definitely, like you say, Luke Shaw, well, Luke Shaw we know is just signed a new deal, so that's not, you know, he's okay, but maybe someone like Martial is a definite, we have to keep Martial at the club. I mean, he can be the future at Manchester United for years to come, so he has to stay. I, I would keep the Spanish boys, i keep Herrera rare Mata, obviously De Gea. So, if we can get those deals done, that would be, be great. And then, like you say, some silverware. I mean, we're going to go on to talk about, I think one of the questions there about what Solskjaer has got to do to stay at the club. I think one of them will be actually winning some silverware. I think that's the only way I'll be able to stay.
1: Yeah, and I guess even the top four finish is not that far beyond No, I
0: mean, when you, when you look at Chelsea and Arsenal, who are the two teams that we compete against, I mean, ultimately, I think Chelsea can take Arsenal all the way. Um, I, You know, they've got flaws in their game. I don't think all is well in, in their team. You know, Sarri came in and sort of made a good impression to start with, but I think people have realised that if you can stop Jorginho now, you can stop Chelsea. They're a bit one dimensional. So I think, you know, we, we, I'm definitely optimistic we could catch them. And, and top four is not impossible like I thought it was a couple of months.
1: Yeah. And I think that whole Saribor situation was overhyped because <laughs> Chelsea, uh, yes, exactly. Chelsea is still is Eden it Hazard FC. It's not Chelsea FC. Eden Hazard FC. And if Hazard is stopped, Chelsea is stopped.
0: Yeah, but I think under Sari, they, okay, take, as I'd out the, of the equation, I think the biggest player for Sari was probably Jorginho because he he is
2: probably
0: Sari's brain on the pitch, like we used to talk about with Matic at United. You know, he was probably Mourinho's brain on the pitch. These players know exactly what their managers want because they've worked with them for such a long time and they're so loyal to their managers. But people have just put men around Jorginho people just get tight to Hazard and just foul him now you know to be honest it, it doesn't sound great but it's what people used to do to Ronaldo during the 08 09 season you mm-hmm. know people try and kick him and you know foul him and, and and that's what people are doing with Hazard now they're just they're just stopping him physically so if you can stop those two players i think you can really get to chelsea that's
1: true Isaiah, what do you think about this top four is it uh, i think you do think uh it is Within not
2: reach, oh, yeah, definitely now, especially in Socia, has the way he's been playing and the way um, I've seen Chelsea been playing and uh, handling their games. Like, uh, I think it was last week they drew what zero zero with uh, Southampton, Southampton. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, man, I mean, they're dropping points, we're picking up points. And when Mourinho was in charge, it was uh, what like 11 points a gap, mm-hmm. and now yeah, it, it um, dropped down to uh, I'm not sure what six. Six, six points, six. Okay. Yeah, yeah, six exactly. points. So, yeah, I definitely think we can get top four. And honestly, I think we will finish top four.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and then, well, uh, what, apart from him, what do you think of twenty eighteen nineteen 19 Who do you think should come into the managerial managerial's position for full-time? Is it is it obvious that Posh is coming?
2: Uh, for me if Solskjaer wins the FA Cup, like I said earlier, and then top four, and then has a good run in Champions League, then I think he, is, at least there's uh, another season or two.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And what about you, Joe? Yeah. Uh, one other questions, right? what should Solskjaer do to keep his yeah, job?
0: I was going to, I was going to sort of, wait, obviously, uh, I was going to answer the question on this, but obviously, we're on it now, so I think, like I said, I think Esai is at the nail on the end. I think if he can get a top four, and, you know, win a trophy and take us maybe to the semis or even the final of the Champions League, something like that. Then I think as much as United will be hesitant, I think they'll have to give him the job because I think he's just he's got so much going for him, Solchai. He's so popular around the club. He's, he, he lives and breathes the club. And there's there's no guarantees of a I mean Pochettino probably would be my number one choice. Um but it's going to be difficult because Daniel Levy, as we know, is not an easy man to negotiate with. It's going to cost a lot of money to get out of his contract. And then you've got a situation where if if it comes to trying to do a deal and you need Pochettino to force it, I'm not sure he will force it to leave. I mean, the club going places, they're moving into a new stadium. So,
1: so uh, guys, we have a game also on... Next weekend, I guess, and the lads are preparing in Dubai. So uh, what do you think the starting level should be the for this Tottenham hotspur game?
0: You go sire,
2: you go first. Uh, the starting lineup?
1: Yeah, what do you think? Your predicted your prediction for the starting lineup?
2: Uh I'm going with Lee Grant. No, nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we like that. We like that. <laughs> I bet it's got at least one game on him. But uh I'm going with um uh, Dahea. Mm-hmm. Right back. I know this may not be popular, but I'm going with Ashley Young. He's more experienced, and Diallo. I he, he's still a prospect, and um, yeah, I'm going with Ashley Young and Luke Shaw on the fullbacks, Lindelof, um, mm-hmm. and uh, is Chris Smalling fit? He might be. Uh, if, sure. if he's fit, then Smalling. But uh, we really don't have a choice. Nah, honestly, I'll probably go with Darmian instead of uh, Jones. He did well yesterday in uh, center back, and um. <clears throat> The midfield, uh Matic uh I will go with Herrera and then um uh, Pogba obviously and then Rashford, Martial uh Yeah and maybe yes, yeah, Sanchez I'll have to go with Sanchez. No, no no scratch Sanchez, uh Lingard.
1: Lingard, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm I'm
0: going for Romero in goal, not Lee Grant. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, De Gea obviously, and then obviously right back out. I, I, I do like Dello. I think he's a good young promising player, but um, the, last the games have shown that I think he needs to do a bit more work first. He's probably gonna, you know, he's probably not quite ready for the big game. So. And and Ash, and and sorry, Antonio Valencia seems to have lost a lot from his game. I'm not quite sure what's going on with Valencia at the moment. He he hasn't been the same player for quite a while now. So I would go Ashley Young at right back. And then I think they will stick with the centre back pairing of of Linda Loss and Jones uh, with Luke Shaw at left back. I like the midfield that the Fire picked. I think that will they'll stick with that. that's what's been working recently. Herrera Pogba. Um. And Matic, I mean, Matic he even looks a better player all of a sudden. You know, he's getting the ball now and he's moving it and he's been allowed to play longer passes and he's actually got a good range of passing when you're allowed to do it. It's, he's looking better. And then I'd go with a, Again, I'd probably be the same. I'd probably leave Lukaku Le out. It's amazing, really, but Rashford as a number nine and the would look really dangerous. So I play Rashford as a number nine with Martial on one side and Lingard on the other on the yeah,
1: I think I'd go with the exact same thing what you said, Joe. And I have to agree on one one point there with Isaiah as well. I think I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that Damian uh, J- will be played over Jones, but if possible, it sh- he should be because he looked much, much better than Jones, to be honest, against Reading. Eh?
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I mean Damian, yeah, I, I never had him down as a centre back. I mean, to be fair, he came to the club as a right back. He's played a few games at left back, but you know, if he can play centre back, especially the, with the situation we're in at the moment, it might be a way of him getting into the season not getting in any other way. Yeah.
2: yeah that's he's true. much like for me he's much like Ashley Young. Where, wherever you need him he'll play. That's what yeah. I like.
1: Yeah. I think he's a very professional player, right? Like even though he's, yeah, he's
2: he takes a
0: lot of sticks sometimes, and that's more of his his style rather than you know his form or his ability. He, he's just a good. I think he's a good professional. I mean, we should have known when we signed him. You're signing an Italian defender. He's never going to be exciting, you know. What I mean, <laughs> they're all the same, you know, Italian defenders. They, they defend too well, but they defend well. You know what I mean? It's, it's what they do. And um, when United bought him as a right back. I think fans are expected him to be marauding up and down the pitch. It was just never going to be that way, you know. If you know your Italian defenders, they're very professional. They're, they're, you know, defensively very sound. So, and he's always defensively, he's always looked fine in the United shirt. It's just been going the other way when we when he's had to go forward. He doesn't look comfortable in the opponent's final third. But again, United should have known that when they signed him. Really.
1: Yeah, and
0: he was a Louis Van Gaal signing as well. Yep. So he was never meant to be attacking, you know what I mean? So.
1: <laughs> I think he's one of the last Van Gaal guys to be still in, around the squad.
2: Yeah, potentially. Yeah,
1: Martial. Yeah, but, yeah, Martial, yeah. my Martial. Yes, I forgot about him.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't think he would be a, a Van Gaal yeah. signing, but.
1: Exactly. That's why I about it when Joe said all defensive signings and all shit.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, they are the last two, from what, what I can remember right now.
1: Yeah, they are the last two. Yes.
0: I've tried to erase the David Moyes and Van Gaal teams out of my memory bank. To
2: be <laughs> you uh, still got they to <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: They weren't our finest days, and I mean, this, you look at it. I mean, like Memphis, for example, who was here under Van Gaal, He's been doing really well at, at Leon now. You do wonder what if, if these players have had a couple of more years, but honestly, it's easy to talk now. But you see players when they were at Old Trafford, they didn't show potential. I mean, everyone keeps talking about
2: Andreas Pereira and
1: Oh God. Don't and- don't even start on and- Pereira.
2: I haven't been impressed with Pereira at all this season.
1: Yes. I'm-
0: I'm yet to see them really take a game. I mean, like I tweet out after the game on Saturday and just said that was a real opportunity for Fred Pereira and McTominay because that's the type of game where they should be running the midfield, but I don't think they won that midfield battle, even against the
2: team in the lower division. Mm-hmm. They were poor. I thought out of those three, McTominay was probably the best one for me. Yeah, He, it, he hardly put a foot wrong for me, and he's just really the basic Mourinho uh, play. Just passing, simple passes,
0: I think what I'd like to see the club do with McTominay is I would like to see him out on loan yes. I'd, like, I'd like to see him go to a club because I I want to discover what type of midfielder he is because I like over here on the club channel we, we get to see the under 23 games and when he used to play in the under 23s he actually used him as a striker so when he came into the United team I thought he was going to be like an attacking midfielder who would make runs from midfield and score goals sort of thing But he doesn't score and yet defensively he puts in a good shift and he he, he tackles well and he gets back in. So maybe that's what he's going to be in the long run. He's going to be a defensive type midfielder. But I think if he went to another club, we'd probably see, we'd probably get a better idea of what kind of midfielder he is.
2: Yeah, I think a loan spell will help him a lot. A player like Matamoné.
0: Yeah the Premier League club, you know, I'm thinking, I don't know, someone maybe like Fulham or Brighton, you know,
2: someone in the yeah. lower half of the Premier League. Fulham like, could use them right now, maybe. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but, uh, but guys, you think, uh, what I feel from social media interactions is people sometimes overhype these young players a lot. Like, uh, even Andres Pereira, when he was, when Matic was struggling and then they were telling play Pereira, play Pereira in the central midfield, CDM position. And then we saw what, what Reading did to him. Just imagine what Premier League position would have done to him if he was, if he was playing CDM at Premier yeah,
0: League. I agree. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It was quite worrying. He, he looked either like a player that is massively overrated, or if not, he's just a player that's massively devoid of any confidence because he just... He's the type of player that looks like he's capable of getting his foot on the ball and finding passes, spraying the ball around the pitch, but he didn't do any of this against treading, and every time he got the ball ever since he rushed. And actually being at the game, he could when he gave the ball away, it was quite telling. A lot of the players' reactions, actually Young a number of times was telling him to calm down and relax and I think when the other professional when you you know, when your teammates are, when you can see teammates doing that is quite telling really.
1: It's true, you know.
0: Because teammates will do every, you know, they'll they'll often encourage. I mean, I can remember when Tati Chong came on, mm-hmm. he gave all the way pretty early on, and Ashley Young made a point of applauding the the pass and the idea and and you know trying his best to encourage him. But when Pereira was making these mistakes, it was almost as if the players were saying, "Well, there's no excuse for you, Pereira, because you know you've been wanting to play for ages now, and you you've got your opportunity and you haven't taken it."
1: What what are you trying to imply, should Ashley Young be the captain for next five years? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, definitely not. No, not United we went out there and bought maybe two proper centre-backs and, and definitely a proper right-back because, we, you know, Valencia's done a great job over the last couple of years, but, you know, he's never really been a proper right-back. Ashley Young's done a great job playing at left-back and right-back, but they're not proper right-backs, and we are Manchester United, we should be not only signing proper right backs and left backs, but we should be signing the best ones in the world. So,
1: yep.
0: <laughs> maybe,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, and guys, uh, we have done the lineups now, so, so it's prediction time. So, i uh, come to Joe first. Joe, what do you think will be the score in Wembley on Sunday? It is Saturday.
0: I'm good at this, aren't I, I'm quite good at this. Aren't I? Yes, you are. are. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Again, I can see there being goals because you know United have kept a couple of clean sheets recently, but you know Reading had chances. In fact, Romero was one of the match, so that tells you. So, um, I think there's going to be goals. I, I don't know. I'm I'm going to go for United to win three two. You know, I just think it could be a two two draw, but then I think United, with this will of Solskjaer at the moment, might just go and grab a late goal. So I think three two.
1: Ooh, that's interesting. Saya, what do you think?
2: Uh, I'm not very good at predictions, but uh, <laughs> every time I post my predictions, they go wrong. It's but... Man United
0: podcast, Sia, so it has to be a positive. No, I'm only
2: joking now. We're but... <laughs> <laughs> going for um, a 10-0 Man United win. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> even Phil even
1: Jones <laughs> scoring a hat-trick.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I can see a 2-2 draw, honestly. In, or at most... Um, United scrapping away a three-two win.
0: Yeah, Great. what about yourself, Prashant? What are you going for? Well, it's tough, you
1: know, because Spurs are also in a quite good form at the moment, and then defensively we are uh, not not that good. But then, fuck it, I'm going to three-two. I, I think it will be two-two, and then Fellaini will come on and score a winner. Marino's. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's I, think, I, that's think best. I, I think I've got the last two predictions right, so I would suggest that you guys go to your local bookmakers or your betting office and you go and put all your money on, on 3 2 because I reckon it's going to be right. <laughs>
1: <worry>. Okay, <laughs> 3 2 it is.
0: Yes, <laughs>
1: okay, and guys, we have some questions from our listeners. So, Phil Drew has asked a few questions. Yeah, uh, he's asking us, Does Alexis have a? Oh, his boss question is very good actually. What do you think about Alexis Sanchez? Does Alexis have the potential to come back to his best and maybe claim the right wing spot, or do we need a right winger? So, Joe, what do you think
0: about oh, this? Sorry. Uh, so, um, no with Alexis, I think because the other thing apart from poor form and lack of confidence that seems to be in his games is he's coming now, obviously having he started getting a couple of injuries and that that they're not going to help his you know his attempts to get in the team. I think. Um, we know he's a world-class player. And I, I suppose, he's looked
1: okay in the last two games?
0: Yeah, he's looked okay. I mean, his assist was a nice one for Lukaku on Saturday, you know. And he's got that inability. And he's a player that, that Solskjaer could maybe get a tune out of because he's an attacking player. And all the attacking players have looked so good, to be fair, since Solskjaer came in. So, I mean, if Sanchez plays to his best, I think he plays on the right side for United to be fair pretty much every game but he, he's gonna to have to play at his best because Martial's playing so well lingard playing so well you know lukaku scoring over he comes in so that to move wide
2: mm-hmm.
0: he's gonna have a job on his hands but if he if he plays to his team,
1: then he will i think that i agree with you there i'll come with the next question to isaiah uh our friend is asking should the deadwood be removed and then Which current squad players would you remove as Deadwood? Oh, which
2: current squad players would I remove? (laughs) Yeah. We want you to deal with the Messiah. Can you get rid of (laughs) them? I'll start with... Yes. Jones, and then... um, Honestly, I'll probably keep smiling for a backup center back. I know I'll probably get a lot of sticks. Yeah, don't go back on Twitter for the next couple of days now. Nah, you said that, mate. You, you... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll get rid of Valencia and then I'll send on uh, I mean, alone and then uh, I think you can get a, a decent amount of bucks for Fred as well.
1: Oh, you will release Fred after one year?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He just wasn't the ideal center for me when coming to Manchester United. I think honestly, the boys you signed him just so Manchester City couldn't sign him. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. There's
0: been a couple of signings recently that have sort of the way that they've performed in the United shirt make you wonder whether that was the motivation behind. Because obviously, Sanchez another one who looked destined to go to Manchester City. He's come to United and he just hasn't fitted in. And same with Fred, you know. And, and they're probably looking at it and thinking, well, if they went to Man City, they we know under Pep Guardiola, they'd be better players, and we just can't allow them to be any more dominant than they already are. You hope that yeah. stops thinking but it's everything always adds to that. I used to think that Chelsea did that when uh Bramovich first take took over, you know, they signed players like Robin who was so close yeah. to running United but then they signed players like Sean Wright Phillips and, you know, just taking them away from other clubs so that they couldn't have and then not really use them. You know, players like Joe Cole who could have played in a lot of good teams but was never a regular for Chelsea but they bought him just so that their rivals could buy him. Man City did the same when, when the Arab owners came in, you know, they bought the likes of Adibayor, taking him away from one of their threats in Arsenal or or making sure United can't sign him so that you know anywhere apart from to their rivals or or whatever. So it's it's a dangerous game to play, but it's a game that you can play when you've got big money to spend.
2: Oh, I guess so. <laughs> what about um, Rojo? I think I would get rid of Rojo too as well.
1: Oh yeah, I would definitely.
0: It's Rojo with his injuries as well. That's the thing. He he doesn't perform too badly when he gets a chance. He's not great, but he's not the worst. But it's just it, a lot of these players that we're mentioning—they're just
2: not reliable enough. Yeah, I, I um I think he'll be a good fit for like a Wolverhampton and maybe Everton. Yeah, for um, yeah. definitely.
1: And I think even with all due respect, even Darmian, because I, I think he deserves more game time. He's a decent enough player for more game time.
2: Yeah, I can see that. I'm I'm, a, I'm a little iffy on it, but...
0: <laughs> I could see Darmian going to somewhere like Juventus and just being a usual there and he'll fit in and everyone will say, oh, well, why did he not play like this at United? But what Juventus will want from their full-backs will be completely different to what we want from our full-backs at... At old Trafford so Yeah you know these players look different when tactics suit them and we've we've we know that because we've seen that with our own team in the last four or five games. So players can you know players can look like different players when they're asked to do different jobs and I I look at it and I think Mourinho bought Pogba thinking that he could turn him into some sort of defensive midfielder but it was never gonna happen and And now we've seen Pogba play into terms we're seeing him get goals and assists, and it's no coincidence.
1: Yeah. Uh, And then the third question was, I think we already answered this. Uh, What does Ole need to do to keep his job here? I think we have already answered. Win a a trophy, maybe, and a top four finish.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, For me, a good one. A good run in the Champions League as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, maybe that, yes. It's
2: going to be really difficult because if they do believe they can get Pochettino,
0: I mean, everything about Pochettino just screams it's a perfect fit, you know, the way that he promotes youth players, you know, it gives young players a chance. It seems like a perfect fit for United. He plays the football. So, if Pochettino wasn't available, then I think Solskjaer would have more of a chance of keeping the job. But if he's competing against Pochettino, it's going to be very difficult for him because... Pochettino is a manager now that is somebody who's performed in the Premier League for the last five, six years consistently and probably overachieved at every club.
2: that's Yeah, that's true, I think. Yeah, and, that's, and uh, a lot of people say Zidane, which I think will be a, a big gamble because you don't know how he's going to perform in the Premier League. Or, no, his... no, I'm with you on that. Say I've
0: never been a big advocate of Zidane. I mean, We've talked about it before, and I, I know he won three Champions League back to backs with Real Madrid, and that is incredible. And I, I respect that, and that's a great achievement. But that was with a fantastic Real Madrid team as well. Yeah, that's
2: what. That's what I was going to. say. Yeah,
0: the, the three, the three of us could maybe coach that Real Madrid team, and 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 <laughs> right. <laughs> so you know, I, <laughs> no, it's like yeah, yeah, You have to be honest about these things, you know. It's the. I mean, the only other thing, the only positive about Zidane would be obviously. He's French, and we have a couple of influential French players at the club. Yeah. But then, that just just because he's French doesn't mean to say that he, he's going to get on with Pogba and and Martial. I mean, don't forget Zidane was the Real Madrid manager at the time when Real Madrid wanted Pogba when we got him. And I think he was disappointed that he chose Man United, and he made comments about maybe why he'd gone to United that weren't so complimentary. So there's no guarantee that that would be a perfect relationship either. So I think it, that would be a big risk. You, you, I'd like to see him go somewhere else, maybe the PSG job or the French national job. Just one fair play. Yeah.
1: So I think guys, we have come to the end of our podcast. This episode. Good.
0: Cool. Uh, so,
1: uh listeners who are listening for us, listening to us for the first time, well, you can find Isaya on Twitter as well. Isaya, your Twitter handle. Real
2: Isaiah One. R-E-A-L-I-S-I-H One.
1: Good, great. And you can find our own celebrity, uh, Joe, because Joe these days rubs shoulders with the likes of Sholshair Mata and
0: Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, no, I'm just, I'm just those really annoying people that are screaming for their autographs after the game and don't let them go until they sign my piece of paper. So, now no celebrity, but uh, nice to <laughs> get to speak to the players sometimes and get a bit closer to them. It, it, it is easy to get carried away, but we were talking before, away from the podcast that you have to remember that these guys are human beings as well and and uh you know they are great with the fans sometimes and i'm grateful for that and all the fans are grateful for that but uh yeah my twitter handle is uh fatboyslim886 so that's f-a-t-b-o-y-s-l-i-m and that's 886
1: okay guys so this was your host prashant tiwari and uh, you can find me on twitter as well uh my Twitter handle is FPL underscore FPL underscore And you can find Football Bloody Hell podcast on Twitter as well. Uh, Twitter handle is hell underscore football. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, ACast, and pretty much everywhere. And if you liked it, well, you can give us five-star ratings on iTunes as well. <laughs> so guys, it was a uh, great. Uh, thank you for listening to us. It was great to have you, Isai, on the pod.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
1: cheers. Okay, guys. Bye-bye. Bye,
0: Bye. Bye. cheers. Bye-bye.